You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show again today. Lots coming up over the next couple of hours. Have you had your blood pressure checked recently? You should, you know, it's very important. Uh, Cathy Marr is with us and there is a real opportunity to do so in Louthan Mead over the next couple of days. Betty Carter's with me. You'll love her, honestly, you really will. She's produced this wonderful book of illustrations of Irish proverbs. Uh, we're chatting to Shane Healy. You know, remember Shane, what a great guy he is. He set two new records on the track, all coming up on Late Lunch, and we have a great January story as well from Lynette. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets us always. Now, I begin today with a young man who is the Irish Under-18 Masters Darts Champion. He's also just secured his card on the JDC Tour in the UK, and he really is going places. I'm delighted to welcome to the show Charlie O'Connor and also joining me today is his uncle Damien O'Connor great darts player too. Lads welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks a yeah, lot Not at all Hey uh, young man you must have just jumped out of school have you? You have yeah. your Beaufort jumper on you there yeah? Yeah. <laughs> you were in this morning were yeah. you? Are you uh, glad to be off in the afternoon yeah? Oh thank God <laughs> What year again? Second year. Have you homework this evening? No, thank God. <laughs> so you can practice, can yeah, you? Yeah, practice all night. <laughs> Good on you. You're 14 years of age. You're making your way in the darts world. Tell me, how long are you throwing darts? What age did you start at? I started about uh, eight years old. Uh, David got me a board to practice on. But I started playing completely about a year and a half ago. Right. Yeah, so it's pretty darts, darts, darts since then. And it's in your family because your granddad as well, who's Frank Bunty O'Connor, great darts man too. Oh, savage. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't lick it off the ground, young fella. It runs right through the family and yeah. the generations. Hey, I, I don't have to ask you this. You were watching the recent World Championships? Yeah. Luke Littler. Oh, he's savage. 16 years of age. Yeah. You threw against him in practice, didn't you? Yeah. What's he like? You know, tell us what he what he's like to play against. Oh, he's dead on. He's really nice sound. He's a good player, though. Is he? Yeah, savage. Imagine you can say you threw against that guy as well, and he nearly won it. He went close, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. What did you think? I I just thought for the final, the other guy probably just had the edge on him, Luke Humphreys. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Luke got a bit. Luke Littler got a bit tired at the end, and then yes, Humphreys pounced on him. Yeah, and won it then. Yeah. So he'll win it in the future, won't he? Yeah, 100%. That's if you don't stop him. <laughs> <laughs> he better watch himself. <laughs> anyway, David, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Your Jerry. uncle is here yes. with you as well. Uh, a fine darts player, may I say, you, you are too. What about this young fella sitting beside you? Has this a real potential yeah. to go a long way? Definitely just the last just the last year, uh, he just seemed to get better and better. Uh, 18 months ago, two years ago, yeah, he was thrown at home, he was... Winning the odd leg, you know, hit the odd good score. Yeah. But then, around this time last year, he just started banging in 140s, 180s, there and nowhere. Uh, kind of got me off guard a bit, you know, because <laughs> this was this young lad I was beating, beating easy at home. And then all of a sudden he was, he was getting close to me and he was beating me and, uh, yeah. <laughs> you see, he's just, you see, developing. That's the, that's the thing about it. He's still really, really young. Tell us about, you know, uh, the man himself, Frank, uh, the granddad. What about him? He's a legend, isn't he, when it comes to darts? Yeah, well, Dad uh, goes back to the early 60s with Dad. Dad started playing darts in the early 60s, so he did. Mm. Uh, local Navan Dart League. <clears throat> it wasn't until 1971, himself, my mum, 
uh, moved over to London. Okay. Where he formed a, he formed a good friendship with uh, the late Eric Bristol. Five times world champion. What a oh, player. The little finger. Incredible. Look, look, can I do this with the little finger? The way oh, he used to throw yeah. that out, the little finger sticking out. He had his style, hadn't he? Uh, so your dad, really friendly with him? Yeah, yeah, good pals with Eric Bristol in England in the 70s. They played a many doubles tournaments together. Uh, dad was involved in the news, the world darts. That was before the world championships. Uh, then around 1976-77, mum and dad moved back home. Mm. And dad got involved in the Irish darts organisation. Uh, between then and the early 80s. Then he was the founding member of the Irish National Darts Organisation, which is still going strong today. So, uh, so there is a real history in this family of yours, the O'Connors of oh, darts. It runs back and now forward with the, with this young fella as well. You you, you play locally as well. T- talk to me about the Kells Darts League. You won that last year, did you? Yeah, we played... We, we, played, uh, we started with the Silver Tanker team and Kells, uh, this is our second season with them. We won the league the first season. Mm. Uh, it's a great league to be involved in. It's Friday night. It's good crack. Uh, we were lucky enough to win it the first season. Uh, strong teams in Kells. The Yarkey players. Oh, the, for sure. Yeah, I know this. definitely. <laughs> uh, Charlie done well last year, you know. Like, 13-year-old coming up against adults and not, nothing phasing them. Mm. Uh it's great to see. And one of, the, one of uh, the youngest, was he ever to play? Oh, definitely one of the youngest. Definitely, I mean, one, definitely the youngest to win the league. Yes. Uh, and, and they love it down there as well. They love playing him. Mm. They love seeing him coming. So they do. Mm. You know Keane Barry, do you? Yeah. Yeah, he's done well, hasn't he? Keane from good. the league. He's yeah. a good player. He's a real good player. And I've spoken to Keane on a number of occasions as well. And he's qualified for, for the World Championships, as, as you know, and be, being involved in the tour. Tell me about you and Dart. How often or how much time do you put into practice? It uh, be ranges. Uh, could be some days that I'm busy, but I'd say an average about an hour, an hour and a half a day. Every day. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang on the hockey. You have an hockey and all, and a board all set up yeah. the way it is. What way do you throw? Because I want to ask you this. Because I, I was looking at uh, Steve Bunting uh, in, in the recent World Championship uh, champions. He, he's come a long way. That fella has really progressed. I was just watching him on, on the hockey, Charlie. He moves out to the side and sort of throws in from the right-hand mm. side to the board. What's your style? I try to just uh, tilt my foot uh, in the middle of the hockey and then just tilt a little bit. and then. Right, So, but nearly straight on. Yes. Yeah, well, what about you, Damien? Yeah, uh, years ago I used to stand a lot to the right myself, so I did. Mm. But uh, I kind of come, come into the middle as... Yes. The years went on. Uh, you're closer to the dapper in the middle. The way Stephen Bunding is thrown, you're a bit further away. But uh, that's his. That's how he started playing. So that's what he's used to now. Yeah, I there's, just amazed watching him. Yeah, you know. there's there's other players. There's a guy called Andrew Gilding, and he stands way to the left. So he does. Yeah. <laughs> so it's whatever you know what I mean. Gets the darts and the doubles and the trebles, yeah, yeah, etc. Yeah. That's the style. It's, it's whatever you're comfortable yeah. with. Well, Some players like Phil Taylor is dead straight in the middle yeah. with with his foot sideways to the hockey. Yes. But other players like like myself, I I toe to the hockey. What about so you? The, well, kind of side foot to the hockey. Side foot to the hockey for you, Charlie. Is yeah. it? Uh, you know, we know like they uh, most players are throwing, of course, for the treble twenties all the time, double twenties to finish. Is is that you? Is is that for, with every dart player? Yes. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. W- what do you love besides a double twenty? What do you like for a double to finish? I like a uh, double sixteen. Why? Because if you if you go inside, you can go for double eight, and if you go inside double eight, you can go for double four until double one. So it's the maths, is it, Damien, really? 
Yeah, the maths end of it, yeah, it's, which is pretty good for kids as well. So, so this, yeah. you, you must be good at maths in school, eh, young, yeah. young Charlie? Yeah, you are. Yeah, you can add, <laughs> you can add and, yeah. and, and subtract real quickly. Because they do it in an instant. Now, only when I notice in the world, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of the darts, as you, yeah. as you might gather now. Um, it's only when they sort of miss their throws and they go a little bit off kilter. Sometimes they have to ask don't they? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the scorekeeper. But that will also, that will that will put you off your rhythm as well. Does it? Where if you have a, whereas if you know what you're going for, I know exactly where you're going for, you have no time to stop, so your rhythm, your rhythm is going to keep the same. Yeah. So it is. You know, you, you, you are the under 18 Masters champion, Charlie, at the minute. You've got this card. This card is important to get this tour card. Was it last weekend you won it? Uh, or the weekend before? Sunday I won it. Did uh, Sunday gone by? Yeah. Where you were over in Coventry, was yeah. it? Well, tell us what happened over there. What did you do? How did you win the card? It's basically uh, four tournaments, two a day, and it's basically just ranking the points. So I think it's last sixteen is one point, quarterfinals two points, semi-finals four points, and then the final is six points. And the winner, uh, the winner of the event, gets an automatic tour card. Okay, so if you win any of the events, you're in. You're yeah. on, on the tour. Now, you did you had you a second? You you finished in the top in, in one of them, did you? Yeah, uh, I finished in the final of one. In the final. Yeah. So you got a lot, and you gathered points in the other yeah. events as well. Enough? Did you fi- you finish in the top sixteen? Yeah. So you have your card now. Yeah. What does that mean? What what else is it going to mean? Are you going to go? You're going to go back over there and play events, is it? Uh, I go back up there once a month now. I think March, April, May, and June. Okay. And it's just to play with like uh, better lads, like yes. good lads. Yes. And your ma- your mammy's with you here today, Sandra, and she's your biggest fan, I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> she goes with you everywhere. Yeah. Loves the darts too. Yeah. <laughs> You're a team, the Perry, I'm told. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. She likes to call herself Ma Manager. <laughs> My manager, is that yeah. it? I like that. I really, really do. And so you're all set for this now this year. This is a stepping stone for you onto greater things. Is that the way you look yeah, at it? Yeah, big, big, big year. Yeah, big year. It is, Damien, from it. Yeah, it's a huge, busy year ahead, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it didn't surprise me that he qualified over in Coventry, but if, if he didn't, there wouldn't have been a shock because the standard is so high mm. in the JDC. Mm. Uh, Charlie, Charlie's Academy, Charlie plays out of the JDC, and tell us who he does. Okay. That's every Tuesday night. Brian Doherty runs that. Uh, but the standard up there is so high and the standard of youths in Ireland mm. is just, it's incredible to watch them. And the JDC is the junior of the PDC too. It is, yeah. It's the Junior Darts Corporation. Yeah. So, so Tally, you go up there once a week? Uh, every Tuesday. It's the, they're great right up there. Mm. Yeah. But, but as Damien says, everybody's good. Everybody has yeah. a, a, an eagle eye, have they? Yeah, if you if you just seen the screen and seen the scores, you wouldn't think it was young lads, youths playing at all. You think it was mm. season pro sometimes. Yes, so you would. They're that good. Uh, yeah, especially the INDO end of it as well. The Irish National <coughs> Darts Organisation. Uh, they have eighty to ninety players per tournament now, mm. which is huge numbers. Yeah, so it is. The game has changed, and you can talk about this for a minute because you mentioned yeah. Eric Bristol there. Do you remember Jockey Wilson? Jockey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, Jockey had to have a few bevies to, to, before he threw the darts properly. And, and and the sport had that image for a long time. But the guys playing today, it's a different ball game, isn't it, with them? Van Gero yes. and all these fellas. Yeah, it's a totally different ball game. Like them guys, them guys in a pro tour event are on their feet from early that morning to late that evening. Mm. And even in uh, local and national tournaments, 
like you give the likes of the All Irelands, for example, for the Mead team, you're playing darts from nine that morning. You might not try, stop showing your last dart till eleven o'clock that night. Yeah, that's fourteen hours mm. on your feet. You, you do need fitness about you. Yes. Uh, and concentration, concentration and everything that goes that and you don't have that you can see it with them now it, it, it's it, it's different in, entirely in, in terms of you know 120s 140s and that you can knock those off no bother yeah <laughs> good Thankfully. man yourself yeah what about a nine dart finish is that the dream oh hopefully did you ever go close I came close yeah I got seven darts and then did you yeah missed it oh my, my god Oh my God! The eight dart just didn't go, yeah. did it for the for the big one? What about you, Damien, in your lifetime? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> did I did. I did. I, I actually hit one. Uh, Charlie's a witness, along with six other lads. I hit one in the silver tankard a few weeks back, and I went, I went uh, a mad kind of a way. I went one seventy, one seventy, one six one, three bullseyes on the shot, and I was actually in that much shock. Charlie's laughing here beside me. I, I didn't realise what I was in. So I didn't. So you did it very yeah, recently. Yeah, it was only it was only in practice. So it was, but I went treble twenty, treble twenty, bull, treble twenty, treble twenty, bull, treble twenty, treble seventeen, bull. So wow. did that. Wow! <laughs> and you were there. Yeah. You can verify yeah, he did yeah, it. Yeah. The uncle did it. Was that your first ever? No, it was my second. When I, did I, you I, I did one in Navina Matney's uh, about five or six years back. Did you? Yeah. Competition so that, or practice? Uh, just in a practice game, but practice. I, it's. Yeah, it was still awesome to do so. Oh, oh, it must be just the greatest thrill ever to to finish a nine dart. And, and I think I, I think if I'd done it in tournament, I'd, I'd just walk out the door and go home. So <laughs> <laughs> No, you wouldn't. You'd get stuck in with the next batch of darts and, and away, away you'd go again. What's it like, Charlie, among, you know, your own peers? You're 13, you just turned 13, went from 13, should I say, to 14. What's it like with the young lads, you know, in competition? Are you friends or is there a rivalry or how does it oh, work? Oh, no, we're all friends. We're all, we all get along. We're all, they all sound like bang on. Yeah. No rivalries. Mm. And it's competitive, we'll say. But yeah. there's, there's no, you know, the, I was just watching the snook of the weekend. Bit of a narc in the final with Ronnie and your yeah. man, Carter. Yeah. Wasn't there? Yeah, I was looking at it when it was 7-6 there and I was kind yeah. of thinking, geez, Ronnie won't like to see Ali Carter beat him. No. Especially with that rivalry over the last 20 years. Yes. You and know. then there were words afterwards, you yeah, know, you from could, you, Carter, and you could feel the tension. You could, so you could, you could. Yeah, you rarely see that in the darts. Really. Another time, you know, a slow player against a fast player. Do you know what I'm talking about, Damien? Sometimes <clears throat> there's a bit of friction there. Yeah, but then there's a lot, like there's a lot of pressure on stage as well. You know, lads are fighting. That's that's their job. Yeah. Uh, so most of them get on. Mm. So do. Mm. Especially in the local local darts, everybody gets on. Yeah, it's one big family. When you go down to a mead trial, everybody knows everybody. Yeah, sort of. Do you feel the pressure when you're in competition? You know, when you're thrown out, do you just get on with it, uh, Charlie? I just get on with it. You know, to do what you can to do. Yes, know? you don't feel that at all. You just go there and you concentrate on trying to pick off those trebles and doubles to finish as well. Must be a devil though. You know, when you're thrown for a double and it's just. The, the width of the wire that you're not in there that must be the most frustra- frustrating part is it? Oh 100% it just oh, boils me blood sometimes <laughs> does it? I just feel like going over breaking the dance <laughs> really. oh, but look so that's part and parcel of the challenge of the sport as well isn't it? Yeah. But practice makes perfect is that fair to say? Yeah practice, it is practice, uh, practice. Uh, and you know you can you can score all day the key part is setting the double Yeah, you can go 140s tons 180s all day yeah. it's that double is the is the thing. 
Listen, it's great to part. I'm delighted you come in to me today in studio to meet you. You know, I'm, I'm an old sucker for the darts. You see that already. Yeah. I love it. I love all sport, but I really do love the darts. I watch the gra- the uh, tournament during the year when they travel around. Uh, and of course, the World Championship is absolutely brilliant. Do you want to mention something before we yeah, go? Yeah, no, just uh, Saturday week, the 27th uh, January, Charlie is playing a PDC professional, Chris Dobie. Yes. So he is in Farley's Baron Kells. Okay. It's a... Uh, it's a native the Tommy Riley uh, Rehabilitation Fund. Yes. And that's going to be a good night. It's free entry. Okay. So, so everybody uh, welcome that Everybody night. welcome. And to see this for Big challenge match, Charlie against Chris Dobie. And a, and a pro, you're taking them on. Yeah. Oh, we're rooting for you, Charlie O'Connor, all the way for today. Thank you both for joining me. Wish you well with the tour, all you do this year. Charlie O'Connor and uh, the uncle himself. Thank you so much, uh, Damien, for joining me on the Thanks show today. Thank you. Thank you. Westlife, hello my love I'll dedicate that one to our Ava It's our favourite Westlife song And she's seen them a couple of times in concert And absolutely loves them Wasn't Charlie O'Connor Just lovely Louise Wasn't he brilliant Uh, And I learned loads about darts I love the darts I love all sport But I love the darts in particular Charlie's brother's been on to us I'm only after seeing it Hi Jerry. Charlie's brother here Can you get Charlie to give Bradley and Nick a shout out Well he's gone But I'll give Bradley and Nick a shout out I hope uh, that's you're all not right good. Charlie's brother <laughs> <laughs> Anyway beggars can't be cheers I'm only after spotting it I apologise for that um, Louise uh, One for sorrow Two for joy Mm-hmm Three for a girl, four, four for, for a boy. boy. Well, two for joy today in my back garden. I showed you the picture, the two magpies. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a lovely picture I got of the pair of them. I put out a little bit of bread this morning. I hate when the gulls come down. I detest the gulls. I chase them. Don't mind the crows, starlings. And then I had the sparrows and I put a little bit in a, in a little area where I know the little birds get it as well. But the two maggies arrived in and they got a few bits and pieces. They stuck their chest out and they were strutting around the garden. I saw one first and I was about to salute them. You, mm-hmm. know, the, you know the thing? Yeah, or I spit on them. It's either spit or salute, isn't well, it? Yeah, when I saw the second one, I said, Wee, mm. I am thrilled. But you were telling me in Finland, is it? it's the reverse. that the Finland one is, one is for good luck, yeah. There you go. And then if you see one, somebody else I remember hearing on the radio, they won something and they said, I knew I was going to win because I saw a magpie this morning and they said what? And said, one in flight is worth two in sight. Oh. So if they're flying... And it's one, it's, it's good. Oh, there you no? go. Those Finns are funny people. They're only joking, they're <laughs> grand people. But they're the opposite to us. A hardy, it's hardy weather, it really is. It's great. I love this type of weather. And even the dog's bowl with the water, I had to break the ice in it. Did you? I had to break oh. the ice, it was half an inch thick. Half an hour later, frozen over again. Shows you how cold it is. Delighted to have my next guest with me on the show today. We're staying on the sporting theme. We had 14-year-old Charlie O'Connor, darts player, with us top of the show. Well, you know my next guest. Well, what a story he has uh, to his life. But on the track, he's a wonderful athlete. Shane Healy has set not one, but two new world records since the start of the year. Hey, Voyo, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. Not one, but two. OK, let's go back to the beginning of the year. Tell me about the first one. Before we go on, Jerry, I just want to say congratulations to that young man that you had on, Charlie. I wish him all the success in his starting career. Absolutely oh, so wonderful young nice man. nice of you, Shane, to say that. What a lovely boy he is. He really, really is. Yeah. Anyway, back to you. Start of the year. Tell us about the first huge achievement. The first of the year was the Tom Brennan 5K. Okay. And I was going for the world record in the 5K. But unfortunately, the race had 
the course had been misjudged and it was 100 metres short. It was the Tom Brennan 5K. And actually, if the course had been corrected and the right five length, I would have broke the world record by 30 seconds because the world record was 15.31. I probably was on pace for 14, 59, 15 flat. Oh, Shane! I know. Ah, but look, it's uh, it was just no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the first one, the very first of the year, January first. Yes, didn't it's not registered because when they checked out the details, it was bad scrams to the course (laughs) designer. (laughs) Oh, it was a bummer. It was a real bummer, and I think the other eight hundred runners were also bummed out. But look, um, things happen, and it's human error. But uh, we just don't want it to happen too often because mm. it's happening, been happening a fair bit now, a little bit as well okay. on, on other races as well. So it's very important to have the course right as least they can do. You oh, know? absolutely. So the road 5K world record, you can say you smashed, but it's just not registered because of the course. Now, look, at that that's a bit of a blow when that happens. A big blow, should I say. Undeterred, our Shane runs on. Next one. The next one was the 3,000 metres indoors. Okay. And I was up against my teammates from Dublin Track Club. It was the Elite 3K at Abbottstown in, in Dublin. And um, I, I, I knew I was in good fine fettle after the 5K in the Tom Brennan. And I said, OK, I'm going to go out here. The young fellas, one of my teammates, Jonas, was chasing the European qualifiers for the under 20s. Okay. And he was going out at a really hard pace along with a couple of my other teammates. And I said, OK, I'm going to stick to my gun. I'm going to be even paced like a metronome. And I got out and there was 14 young fellas in. I think I was the oldest in the race by about 30, 35 years. So and there's, <laughs> there's actually a photograph up on, on my Facebook about it. And it, the, the comments I'm getting is like, you're just beating up on young fellas. I said, no, they're beating up on me. But anyway, long story short, Jared, I, when I, I ended up running 8.47 and it was a new world record. And the person's record that I broke was Gunter Hasselmann of Germany. And he had it for 44 years. So it was a pretty tough record to go for. Like, 44 years that record stood and you beat it beat indoor it, yeah. in Ireland only a few days ago, literally. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Jared. And um, Congratulations. That is, that's a wonderful achievement. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Myself, no, I didn't think it was a really big deal because, like, I broke it by 11 seconds, but then the press got a hold of it and they said this was wonderful, like Athletics Weekly and the Canadian Running and then the Irish Runner magazine and, and, and everybody started making a big thing. Wow, it's really impressive. You're over 55 and breaking nine minutes for the 3K, like... Mm. So yeah, I was. <laughs> hey, those fellas not breaking nine minutes, half your age. You know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 unbelievable. And right, so okay, one didn't register. Second one certainly registered. Beats a forty-four year record. So they come in threes. Tell us about the third one. Did you expect this third one to happen? What was it? Eight hundred meters. It was. Do you know something? I really had a plan, Jared, because a very good close friend of mine. He was my Olympic teammate in nineteen ninety-six, and his name was David Matthews. Okay, and. His father, Mr. Matthews, had passed away at Christmas. And I really felt sorry. I, f- I felt sorry for David because my daddy passed away at nine years ago at Christmas time. So I knew exactly what he was going through. So over the last few weeks, I was thinking, what could be a really nice thing that I could do for Mr. Matthews, David's dad? Because David was the national record holder in the 800 metres at 144 until Mark English, my teammate, broke it. Okay. Okay. So I said, I'm going to go out. The, the, uh, the 800 was last weekend. And I said, OK, I'm going to go out and give it a lash. And the world record at the time was by Francisco Agostino of 206.03 or something. And yeah. I said, this would be really fitting 
for me to go out and get this record. And I ended up running really even splits. I said to my teammates, I'm going to run 30.8, 30.8, 30.8, 30.6. And I held to those splits and I ended up running 202 and breaking the record by nearly four seconds. And I was just chuffed. And I, after the race, I was really delighted. And I gave an, an interview after the race dedicating the world record to Mr. Matthews David's dad. So kind of you. So thoughtful, I have to say, which you always are in everything you do in your life. So here you go at the ripe young age of what? 55. <laughs> You're setting the world alight in the track. What do you put it down to? What, what has happened? What is different? What have you done differently? I, when I set my sight, my, when I set my sights as a goal, I really just channel into that, and I, I don't like any any of my routine upset it in any way or broken. And I just stick to a, a strict regimen. I'm very hard on myself too, and sometimes I can be too hard on myself. And also. When I'm training, like I'm training with Dublin Track Club, DTC, and there are no pushovers. Like we have multiple, multiple uh, national record holders yes. in the five and the 15. And these young fellas are wonderful talent and they're the best talent in Ireland. And Coach Phelan Kelly is doing a wonderful job there with the, the youth development and making these athletes into something very special. And the, a few of my teammates are now are going to be at the... Uh, the Paris Olympic Games, which is, which is a wonderful, wonderful... So are you saying to me these young bucks are pulling you along? In other words, you know, they, they're setting the standards and they're setting Olympic standards, yeah. as you say mm-hmm. here. And that, in a way, has encouraged you to... Yeah, well, like, if we're, if we're doing, like, say, maybe six, seven, eight times a K, I just tail in off the back of that group and oh, there could be two groups and I just try and hang in there for dear life. And mm. now Andrew and Brian would be probably five, six, seven, eight seconds ahead of me on each rep, but I'm still being pulled along and I'm grateful to those guys. There's all different types of abilities with Dublin Track Club. So it's great for me because I can jump in with guys that are running 1430, 1420. Mm. Uh, the guys that are running 13 flat, like they'll be ahead of me a, a bit because uh, mm. naturally like, they're in their prime, you know. But yeah, it's very important for masters runners or anybody just if you want to take running serious, it's good to get into a group of runners or join a running club and, and focus on that. Mm. Now, I mentioned this name to my earlier guest who you congratulated, young Charlie O'Connor, the darts player. He's only 14. and We, we just diverted into snooker for a moment and uh, the big final of the weekend where Ronnie O'Sullivan won the second major of the year. He's going for... The, the, the clean sweep of three if he wins the world championship. But here's the thing, Shane Healy. You and Ronnie O'Sullivan are close. Yeah, yeah me and Ronnie, yeah. He, uh, Ken Doherty was the one that put us in initial contact. And then um, Ronnie listened to my Back on Track documentary and was blown away and, and probably got a more of an insight to who I was. I knew who Ronnie is and everybody in the public knows who Ronnie O'Sullivan, but Ronnie didn't know me from Adam. And he was just blown away by my Back on, back on Track documentary and and um, he asked me for uh, guidance in, in his running and what and ended up going out to his house in London and then we developed a really good friendship then over the last past couple of years and I've been given guidance with him in his athletics and then he, he invited me out to the World Championships last year in Sheffield you know which was a really nice touch and I loved it and it was just it was just wonderful to be with the goat of snooker and Harry Axe and what's his frame of mind and with Ronnie you don't know what to expect like but he's what he's doing now he's going for an 
another triple crown. Yeah. Uh, the infinite eight, like the infinity eight, like it's it's just mind boggling. And what he's doing at his age, he's defying all the odds. Like his longevity is unbelievable. Like I've pl- like when I see Ronnie practice, he's unreal. He's he's a demigod, and and he goes, uh, he and he goes like he he, he, he takes he. What when he's under the pressure and he's under the cosh, he still comes. That's a really true champions can just turn it around. Like when Ali Carter mm. was six three up against about the weekend, he came back and turned it around, and then it was six six, and then seven, and then he just moved on then and went on to win. He's a it. genius, and and remember, he's one of the finest sportsmen in the world yeah. in his particular field and his profession of snooker. Shane, I'm going to let you in a secret. Shane just showed me there messages from Ronnie congratulating you on your achievements and the, the two world records. I was, yeah, I was completely shocked because Ronnie goes, you, uh, you, you're just like me, mate. Anybody that just comes in front of us, we're the demigod of our sports <laughs> and anybody who comes in and puts it, we'll, we'll just crush them and I was like, oh, dear. It's, it's a wonderful comment to come from Ronnie, you know, mm. and yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's probably like what Ronnie's doing in snooker is probably what I'm doing in the Masters Athletics now, like blowing these world records yes. out of the water, yeah. like, you know. Good on you, good on you, and it's great to hear that you have uh, that relationship with him. When you think you mentioned there the Olympics in uh, 1996, Atlanta, we, you and I spoke about this before the 1500 meters, you made the semi final there, and then you took your break from running uh, in 1999, and back you came after a, a five year. No, it was what actually was it, was it, I came back after a thirteen year thirteen year yeah thirteen years. Was it thirteen years? And I tell you one thing, Jay. When I started back, that was hell. Like, forget about all those fast times I ran in the Olympics. It was like learning. To, like, if you had came from a bad car crash and you broke your legs and you had to learn to walk again, that's how running was again. I had yes. to start all back over. From I the remember beginning. my first few steps in Laytown Beach and started jogging on. And after the first few hundred meters, I was out of breath. I was completely out of breath. And then I just built up from it. Like So I had to start all over again and then just get the tendon strong, get the muscles strong, build up my max VO2 again. Yes. And it took... it took a, uh, 13 years. I beg your pardon. I just see the year there. I misread it. It was 13 years is right that yeah. you were away. Like it's a long break to take for an athlete oh, and then to come back, isn't it? I was. And then three stone overweight too. Like, you know, what wasn't good as it yeah, was. to get back in condition and all that type of thing. It was, yeah. I, I came back that time for eight or nine months and... I had a really bad accident then training with John Coughlin, Eamon Coughlin's son. He was going for the first father-son sub-four-minute mile combo. And I was doing a cold, frosty night session in Santry and I tore my inter- all my intercostal rib muscles off my rib cage from doing a speed session. And that put me out for a couple of years. And then I came back in 2014 for maybe six or seven months. And again, I got injured. And then in 2016, like I said before, on your last show, I needed a good feel story. And that's when I rejuvenated my mm. uh, career in Masters of Athletics and said, I'm going to go for the over 50s world records. And now I'm going for the over 55s. A <laughs> <laughs> glutton for punishment. <laughs> You're an inspirational man. That's what I say to you. You are, and with your backstory of your life as well, the search for your mom and your family, and how that has come to a wonderful conclusion where you've reconnected there. My God, you're marvelous. You know. Yeah, it's great, Jerry. Like last last uh, July, August. Yeah, came came upon Lorraine, and then found out the truth about my mother after 50 years as I was on your show and I explained it to you in August uh, Lorraine yeah Lorraine works in England she's a, a, sale, a sales consultant she does all the advertising for billboards around England and so she does a lot of driving up and down and in Scotland and yeah enjoying life and then Garrett he's in charge of a mechanic shop in my stepbrother and then um 
Garrett and then oh my, I'm gone blank now with the, Jonathan he he works the cranes and stuff like that mm. as well he said, that's the my look nephew that found look at, me look at this at your stage of life your family you're running Shane it couldn't happen to a nicer fella I have to say congratulations right. on the 800 the 3000 hard luck on the road you'll have to go with that one again oh, the I, def- I definitely will it could be possibly now Armagh on the 8th or else the world record attempt on the 7th and fantastic keep us posted on that listen it's great to catch up with you today in the show I'm so grateful you dropped in to have a chat with us always love talking to you and keep on breaking those records young fella and thanks a million for your support Jay. I really Not appreciate it thank you I tell your story to me A hairy moment for you There's a grand if you do I need to know on the late lunch show Yes, I have a thousand euro cash to give away to one of you before the end of the month. All you have to do is come on here on late lunch and tell me about that hairy moment in your life and standing by to tell me about hers is Lynette McEnany. Afternoon, Lynette. Good afternoon, Jerry and Louise. How are you? We're really good. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Now, take us back. It's back a few years when you were in childbearing mode. Is that right? I was. I was pregnant on my last son. And it was around Christmas of 80... Of, sorry, 70... 84. And uh, we went down towards Primore. And there was a fun fair, and the two kids, who were nine and six at the time, nothing would do them, only go on to the fun fair. Now, my hubby wouldn't go up with them, so I went up on the Ferris wheel, you know, the big wheel. Oh, the big wheel, oh, the oh, big wheel. And listen, we, yeah. you, you had two children, two other children, right? They wanted to go up. I had two other children. Okay. Two other ch- oh, they came, they came with me. That oh, no bother. Thought it was great. No bother. And you, you're so, expecting a baby? I was six months pregnant with a £10 baby, yes. Okay, go yes. on, go on, go on. But I got on. I got on it and it was freaking smashing. We had a great time until it was coming to our turn to get off. Now, we were, if you can imagine the wheel, we were at about a quarter to nine. If you can, you know what I mean? Yes, I'm looking at the clock. I see it. And we're all looking at the clock. Yeah, quarter to nine. We were looking looking down and I thought to myself, geez, you know, it's a bit, you know, and a couple of people are taking, you know, they're taking their time getting off. They were off already, so I looked down, and lo and behold, it was stuck. Oh no! So, at this stage, I thought to myself, "Now the kids, um, if they panic, they're going to be worse." So I said, "Oh, you must have been very good. We're getting an extra go." And they <laughs> believed me. God loves them. Right. So we were there for I don't know. It could have been five or six minutes, but my God, it felt like we were there for a lifetime. And at this stage, um, so heavily pregnant, I thought, I need a bathroom. <laughs> so what do I do? Do I, you know, cross my legs? And I couldn't because my belly was too big. And the big bar that goes across was in the way. Yes. So I said, okay. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Start singing. So the only song that came into my head was the grand old Duke of York. And every time, you know what I mean? So yes. the three of us were sitting there singing away to our heart's content. But after a while, and we got down, well, by jeez, Jerry, you want to see me run to the loo? I don't, I think I must have knocked a half a dozen people down. But I nearly made it, put it that way. So that was hair raises. And like the chap yesterday, I felt a kiss in the ground when I got off that <laughs> I'm sure you I, did. Honest, oh God. I so, and even it. to this day, even to this day, when I see one, I can feel the shivers going right down me. Now, and I did get on one there about 20 years ago. Did you? And I kept my eyes closed the whole time. And, and you didn't get but, stuck? No, thanks be to God. And I think St. Anthony and St. Martin and every saint in heaven was sitting beside me. Potentially that was a very wet, hairy moment, but well done to oh. you. You held the blather. I, well, I say I did. Yeah. Kind of, kind of. And you know what I'm not saying, Jerry. Okay, so there might have been a little leak. But anyway, you, you held the majority of it to get to a bathroom when you I hit the ground. I, I love your story. You're in the hat. You're in there. You're in the oh, mix, Lynette. Thank you thanks, so much Jerry. for telling it. I love Don't it. Take care of yourself. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 <laughs> now you get the gym. This is what we're looking for. Those hairy moments in your life. I have a thousand euro to give away. Come on here, tell me your story. You're in the mix. We're going to pick one. We have a little panel of judges who are going to pick it as well. Have you a hairy moment story? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us now with hairy or moment. Voice us if you want on the WhatsApp. Type it in, the whole story if you want it, whatever you'd like to do. And we'll be back in touch with you to get you on here. To tell us your hairy moment. You could have a thousand euro before the end of the longest, most financially pressing month of the year. You know we love our books on Late Lunch. We have our book club, of course, with Irene Gahan, and we have lots of authors through the year that you meet here on the show with me, and I love reading books myself. I have a delightful book, I have to tell you today, sitting on my desk here. It's called Tom Kreekintlat, which, of course, translated is My Heart is Speaking to You. It's by Betty Carter, who lives in Dundalk, and she joins me in studio this afternoon. Betty, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. I love this book. Lovely to hear. I love this book. I really do. It's quite different, mm. I have to say, to uh, so many of the books that mm. I would encounter in my time on the show. But anyway, look, the story of the book is Irish Proverbs. Tell our listeners, well, you know, what, what's behind this book? Tell them. Uh well, this book is 
all about Irish proverbs. It's it's really uh, came about from from my love of the Irish proverbs, the shanachals, and it really is. It really is a testimony to my love of the Irish language, my native tongue, and uh, I was I was born and and bred in, in County Mayo, where we had a great a great love of the Irish language, and it was embedded in me. We we uh, did all our all our sub all our education, national school yes. and secondary school to the medium of Irish, all our exams in secondary school to the medium of Irish. And uh, so I, I, I started to relearn my Irish. I, after, well, I, I probably, I started to relearn my Irish okay. uh, and the proverbs of prior to the pandemic here. Okay. And uh, I I just grew that the love of it came back the came back again. Fantastic. And I wanted to I re- really wanted to uh, take it a step further and I decided then to to let my heart really uh, draw these uh shanuckles. Okay. And brought these shanuckles to life to uh, my paintings. Yes, so you linked, you linked your love of the Irish language, yes. which goes back to your school days and has yes. been reinvigorated in recent years. That's right. With these ancient proverbs yes. and your artistic ability. So it's mm-hmm. all come together in this book. That's right. Uh, that's right. So I... Um, I continue. I I de- I developed the the art. Yes. Uh, but having it speaking to, uh, bringing all the shanuckles to to life. Yes, because and each artwork here yes. actually links mm. with the proverb. The, That's the theme, right. The theme of the art on the page with the proverb. That's right. Is linked to it. That's right. And uh, for instance, I, were, I could name a few, a few of the my favourite shanuckles in the book, yeah. and just demonstrate how it is linked. Okay, to go it. on then, pick yes. for me. Go on here. Uh, so I, the first one there in the book is. Yeah, uh, you take the book because, because and you read it. I want you to read it for the listeners. Go on, pick pick a couple there and read it for them. Pick ones that you love uh, that you love in particular. Oh, this one in particular. I really love this one. Nilin Chintan Mother Hintan Fane. Everybody is familiar with that one. No place like home. Yes. And I would allow my heart to meditate on that uh, shanuckle. And the shanuckle, uh, uh, while I would meditate on it, I would have a great feeling of, of peace. Yes. And what then came into my mind and feeling very peaceful, I drew on the, I drew illustrated on the page. And just tell them what the illustration is there with and, that channel. And and the the illustration is the the fireplace. Yes. And it reminds me very much of the fire on fireplace for my old, uh, for my rural upbringing in the yes, west of Ireland. Yes. So yes. we get it now. So what you do um, is you have the mm, proverb, meditate upon it and then this comes to you yes. and then you create that artwork, the mm. painting with it. And, and it, it, I do feel very 
uh, peaceful. The Irish version is in it as well. Yes. Shirkon, the Irish for each, each, each shanokal has the translation in it. Yes. And each word that I would meditate on has the Irish version of yes, it as of well. Yes, of course. And you and know that is so true. Just to talk about mm, that proverb for a minute. And and the the, mm, the more I move on in life, yes, I just love my home. I love the peace uh, yes, of my home. Yes. And and that that just. I, I, I suppose as I was meditating on the Shanokal, uh, why I felt so peaceful was it brought me back to my old homestead where people sat around the fire and told all the stories yes. and told the Shanokals yes. and all the... I love yes. it. Flick on there. Come on, pick another one from me. Go on through the oh. book. One other one there. No, but you can pick a couple of them, but pick another one out just for the uh, moment that you actually love. Uh well, I, I love them all, to be honest, which I well, find it hard to distinguish. But go on, pick yeah, another one there. Yeah, it's my long on Shaw. But I have a few favourites. Yes. Well, let me see. Let me think of one. Anin Kiro, Kiro Gela. Yes. Are you familiar with that yes. one? Yes. And, uh, and it takes one to know one. Yes. And, and uh, medita- meditating on that, I, I me- would meditate for some time on it. And I felt a great sense of equality. Yes, we're all we all feel you know we feel the same. It, it, it's you yes. know, and it's a big word in in our world of today. Yes, as you that's know. right. That's right. Yeah, another one was because uh, uh, it takes so long to search through the book. Give me the. There book. are twenty four of them. I, in yeah, it. I know. I'm going to no. pick them out. Go on. Give me. Give me the book back here a second. Okay. But you, there's one. Thought. Thought. Oh, and down now. Yes. Uh, I am very happy. happy. Or, or, there was another expression for it was to sketch mini ahasaram. And the feeling after meditating on that, the feeling I would get would be a great sense of joyfulness. Yes. Yes. Can I read this one because I love it? Look at the illustration with the owl in the top corner there. And the young boy, is it? Or the young person with the hat on them there. And it says in Irish, the proverb says, it's Jacker can can crina a cor a quilinog. It's hard to put an old head on a young young shoulder. And after meditating and letting my my heart uh, meditate on that channel, I, uh, the the feeling I would get would be uh, being ambitious. Yes. Our our, our ambition that I've written there. And the the owl in the corner shows, uh, you know, the great sense of wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah, wisdom. Yes. I love it. I love it. I, I think your art is absolutely beautiful. I want to mention, you keep saying meditation there because in the interest Introduction to the book. There are a few people who make uh, contributions to it. Your husband, Philip Carter, uh, does mm. the forward there. Uh, Michael McGuinness, tell me about Michael because he's key in this whole area of meditation, isn't he? Well, yes, he is, very much so. And uh, uh, Michael McGuinness, I obviously know very well. He's my yoga master and I uh, attend yoga with him every week. And he would have given me great guidance yes. uh, uh, to come a lot to uh, to do this book. In fact, he 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 uh, suggested I would do this and and uh, do all my learning, relearning of of uh, my Irish san- my shanokles, uh to my heart rather than learning it from my head. I really yes, get this now because yeah. the heart runs right through That's every right. page right. of this mm. book. Also there is, I just want to mention her, is Susan Farley from Abbey Art Studios. In she this. helped you with the layout. Uh, yes, she did. She helped me with the layout uh, and any any uh, 
illustration I had that wasn't exactly uh, up to her standard. She just said, fix this. <laughs> <laughs> and may I say... And she, I did. Yes, and yes. she guided you really. <laughs> yes, well, may did. I say. She Let did. me read another one from one of the pages. It says, being bloss er on myogon. Yes. So small amounts are tasty. Are they yes. brambles there? Uh, well, the, they are brambles and there were supposed to be some uh, grapes on it and that and a small amount is tasty. The brambles small. are lovely and yeah. the blackberries on the brambles. And small amounts are tasty. Yes. That, that's it. And, and the... Uh, uh, and the word I, after meditating on the, the Shannokal there, I felt great appreciation mm. for what I had in life yes. and everything. And it's a form of gratitude gratitude yes. as well. I'm being very grateful for yes. all we have received. And, and you go out yeah. autumn time and there they mm. are, free gratis on the brambles and you can That's pick right. them and enjoy a few That's of them. Right. Yes. Let me, let, look at this one. And this one, this illustration here, and listeners can't see it, I tried to describe it, is a road going through, I'd say, uh, some very colourful feeds. Anyway, the, the proverb says, is father on bohor knock will in casa own. And that means the longer you live, mm. the more likely your luck will change. <laughs> I'm doing the lotto this evening, Betty. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm based on that proverb, the longer I live. Yes, and after, after, after meditation on that, I, uh, one can feel, as I did feel, uh, great headway, great headway in life. Yes. And maybe great headway in winning the lotto this evening, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine, Betty, wouldn't we have some story on Late Lunch tomorrow if this actually happened? I'd, be, I'd be back again. Oh, yeah, yeah, listen, I'd be bringing you back and be sending a chauffeur-driven limo up to Dundalk to pick you up and take you up here to the studios. Let me go for this. Mm. They, lo- they know I love my grub on Late Lunch. Mm. Let me read this little proverb here and it says Gomeramid bio eran tom shorish that we may be alive this time next year when we eat our new season potatoes betty well that jerry is my favorite shanuckle in the whole book and it's one that we would have used all the time in the west of ireland uh, and we uh, it's first time we sat down to eat our new potatoes yes it was religiously said and you daren't not say it. It's it's even a, a habit I've taken with me to, to my own home in the east and uh, in Dundalk. And uh, I would always use it with my family, you know, yes. sit down with me and Tom Shahavish. And when you're meditating, when I was meditating on that, <coughs> I got a great sense of gratitude. Yes. Really a deep sense of, of gratitude. And it goes back to being yes. grateful for being well, can, alive. Can I tell yeah. you, they, they know on the show here that I'm, uh, mm. I am love my garden. I have a little tunnel and, and a greenhouse as well. Mm. And uh, we have our new potatoes chitting, mm. as I told Louise the other yeah. day, oh, gosh, in yes. their containers already, ready to go in. I put some in in pots real mm. early and then we put them into the beds as well. And I love the first new potatoes when you just lift the hollum and there they are yes. like duck like hen eggs and you bring them in and put them into the water just give them a gentle boil a knob of butter on them 
and the Queen of England, it's the King of England now, wouldn't be enjoying as nice a supper as you have from your own potatoes. Well, there's I your love new this say- there's, that's yes, my saying. That's my saying. That that's is my saying, saying yes, for this that's year. Your new With my house. family, yes. I am going to sit round yeah. the table. At, see, I normally give books away, but I ain't giving this book away on late lunch because I'm keeping this book close to my heart because Good. I love it that much, I have to say. That is my favourite from the book as well. I wasn't going to tell you that until I came around to it, Thank but you. I love it Thank as you well. Very much. I absolutely. Do you yeah. know what? Mm. You've done something really special here. You produce something really special, something wonderful. Thank you very much. Something to be so proud of as mm. well. And I see it was uh, printed and bound by Dundalk Book Binding Company. Yes. Wonderful people. Yes. Now, listen to this, folks. She's done a run of these books. <laughs> she has to do another run of them now. Where is it available? It's in uh, it's in Roe River in, in Dundalk, but it will possibly be in oh, more you, of you, other... You, you've got to get this into other places yes. as well. But mm. it is in Roe River Books at the moment. There's another mm. print run coming your way. I recommend it highly. It's called Tomokree Count Lat. My heart is speaking to you. <laughs> Betty Carter has been speaking to you this afternoon. Thank you for joining me on Late Lunch. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Jerry. Her. Thank you very much. Take care. Yes. What a lovely lady Betty Carter is and what a fantastic book it really is. No surprise it's going in a second print run because it is just something really, really special. Louise, um, I mentioned, I think we were talking with this morning about this. Anyway, you know the row that's going on down in Ross Cray over the accommodation and the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something I've been meaning to say about this. First of all, I believe, and you know this, that immigrants, emigrants, refugees coming to Ireland or whatever, they've contributed so much to Ireland. Yeah. They really have to society. They've changed their society. Mm-hmm. They've made us, you know, a better people, mm-hmm. a better people for what they've brought to us. And I know aspects of it are criticised. But there is thing, one thing I do want to say that hotel accommodation in towns is crucial. Absolutely. To the heart, mm-hmm. to the heartbeat of a town. To have a place where people can come and stay and socialise. Walk around, spend money. Yes, it's crucial. And we need to accommodate. Of course we do and we need to help. And we must do the the utmost we can. But we cannot continue to close hotels around the country, in towns that are absolutely essential. And I honestly think that the government have to relook at this. And what's happening is hotels and businesses, you know yourself, you have to employ people, mm-hmm. pay your utility bills, buy your food. It's, it's, a big, it's a big call to run a hospitality business. Yep. It, it should never be underestimated. But what people are doing is they see the opportunity of getting money from the state to hand over, you know what I mean, their... Oh, yeah, easy money. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. You know what I mean? And you can't blame people that they see an easier way of making something pay. For all round kind of income. Yes, but I've got to say that we've got to look at this and really when it comes to hotel accommodation in our towns and villages, we've got to keep them. And really, in a way, there shouldn't be an offer from government to convert accommodation into accommodating those who desperately need accommodation. I just want to say that today on the show. Cart before horse. Yes, you're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We're heading up to top of the hour at three on Late Lunch. 
with Blondie herself and one way or another 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to get touches on the show coming up after three have you checked your blood pressure lately? Very important that you do, especially as the years push on. Kathy Maher is with us, and I have another cracker from CCR, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Here we go with Blondie. Yes, Jerry, you're so right. It uh, wasn't the beautiful Carnbeg Hotel in our own town of Dundalk, uh, one of those places that are housing. Uh, refugees and gone and no more. I used to work there myself, says a listener this afternoon to us, just talking about the you know, we're in trouble here. You know, we rely on tourism in Ireland so much and we uh, welcome people and there's so many people's jobs revolve around it, but if we don't have hotels to accommodate visitors, what's going to happen? I really do think it's an area that needs to be looked at absolutely urgently. You know, we need to accommodate, of course, people coming from war and distress and who want to make new lives here, for sure. And I said that. They make such a difference to our lives and our country, etc. They really do, and they're so welcome and they contribute so much. But we can't, at the expense of our hospitality sector, that has to be looked at. Honest to God, it really has to. This has to stop. We have to maintain our hotels and places where people can come and stay with us. It's as simple as that. It's logic to me, to be honest with you. Um, best of luck to Charlie. What a great young lad he is, says the Shaffries this afternoon. Nice to hear you, hear from you. That's Charlie O'Connor, the young darts player who was with us uh, top of the show. Thank you for your hairy moments. We'll be back to you. I promise we'll be talking to more people this week and next. Thousand euro up for grabs cash on late lunch. Meant to mention yesterday, Paul Campbell, well done to you. You win the tickets to Underdrugs, uh, the documentary on Drogheda United Football Club, which is being shown for the first time in the TLT this Friday night. I don't know whether there's any tickets left. It was selling very fast indeed. You could check it out if you wanted to go along. But Paul, you uh, win the pair of tickets on the show. Should have mentioned that yesterday. Now, let's do this on Late Lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. And my artists of the week this week are Creedence Clearwater Revival picking up the story from yesterday the band's third album called Green River was released in August of 1969 and was their first to top the album charts in the USA the band uh, were now on the road constantly performing and touring as well and in fact uh, of course they were one of the headline acts in that same year 69 at Woodstock the albums continued at pace too, with number four called Willie and the Poor Boys hitting the shelves in November of 69. The hit singles and albums, uh, they were just so consistent at that time, rolled on into 1970. Albums uh, such as Cosmos, Factory and Pendulum hit number one and five respectively in the US, with all of the double A-side singles released from those albums, making it to the top five over there as well. CCR, as they're known, Creedence Clearwater Revival, were only on an upward trajectory. However, with the dawn of 1971, there were storm clouds gathering on the horizon, which I'll tell you more about tomorrow. But for today, my Clearwater Revival song is from that album, Pendulum. It's great, except in Ireland, it really doesn't apply. Have a listen.
Creedence Clearwater Revival, my artist of the week on Late Lunch this week. It doesn't apply that song in Ireland. Have you ever seen the rain? I've a pain in me, you know what, seeing the rain in this country. Mind you, last week and this week have been superb. Hardy weather, that's what it should be at this time of the year. Frosty mornings, lots of sunshine, dry. And weather, I think, that's needed to dissipate the chest illnesses that have been rampant this winter time of the year. This is what we need. We need the seasonality of the weather. But I'm sorry to say I'm the purveyor of negativity now, which I don't really like to do. It's going to lash on Saturday and Sunday and Monday. The rain is on the way back and heavy rain and winds as well. And then you shall see what it's all about if you're complaining about the cold. I'd rather have the cold any day, to be honest with you, than that nonsense of constant wet and rainy weather. Are you listening? Whoever you are, you're up there. Why are you listening to me? Anyway, that's uh, my little uh, weather rant for today. Enjoy the next couple of days. They're going to be hardy and frosty as they have been. Final break of the day on the way on late lunch. And afterwards, blood pressure. You need to keep a check in it. Free blood pressure checks are available in Meath and Loud across so many pharmacies. Tomorrow it's happening. And joining me to tell me more is our good friend and regular on the show from Haven Pharmacy in Dulik, Cathy Marr. Welcome back. Hi, Derry. How are you? I'm really good. Blood pressure, you know, people uh, say, ah, sure, I'm grand, I'm feeling well, there's not a bother on me. This thing is silent, isn't it? You don't get really any indication. Yeah, it's pretty much symptomless. And about half of people that actually have high blood pressure don't know they have it. So what's really important about the likes of tomorrow is that we can use that as a screening day that we can pick up perhaps people that can be refer to their GP and we blood pressure, high blood pressure is something that can be really successfully managed. So the key tomorrow is pop in, have your free blood pressure check and when needed, we'll refer you on to your GP for further investigation. And if not, you've got a clean bill and you can come back to us in a few months or in a year or two, that's fine. Symptoms that people may associate with blood pressure could be things like headaches, shortness of breath or nosebleeds, but they're usually, if it's exceptionally severe or potentially life-threatening. So when the symptoms happen with blood pressure, we know already there we could be in danger zone. So the key is to have it checked now, particularly if you're over the age of 40, and especially if you're over the age of 50. What about below 40, if you're concerned? It's no harm to go and have it checked. You know, I'm thinking of people in the 30 to 40 bracket, say, who are generally fit and healthy and they have families and they're running around here, there and everywhere. But if you're concerned, it takes nothing, does it, to go, and you should get it checked. You should get a check. I mean, I suppose when we look at everyone individually, and tomorrow when I'm checking blood pressure in the pharmacy in Dulake, I'll be going through anything, any risk factors that someone might have that would increase the risk of their blood pressure being elevated or raised. So depending on their age, and none of us, Jerry, neither you nor I are getting any younger, so increasing age does increase the risk of high blood pressure, but also does genetics and race. So some ethnic groups may have a higher predisposition to high blood pressure, but genetics, if you have a family member with any kind of cardiac problem, stroke, dementia, hemorrhaging, anything like that, or even high blood pressure or high cholesterol, you have an increased genetic risk of any cardiovascular um, condition. So that's certainly your high risk of having high blood pressure. Anyone that is overweight or obese um, is at a significant increased risk of high blood pressure or physically inactive. And we know we need to be doing 30 minutes of exercise five times a week. So aim for 150 minutes of exercise a week. doesn't have to be at the gym. It can just be a brisk walk. That's fine. Um, High salt diet. 
salt can increase um, your blood pressure. Alcohol intake, we need to stay within the recommended limits per week, but also to make sure that those recommended limits aren't consumed over a one or two episodes, that it's not a binge at a weekend. Um, you know, people sometimes just let the hair down and take all the alcohol in. That's not good for us either. And smoking and vaping both can increase the risk of blood pressure being raised, as is stress. So as you mentioned there, someone under the age of 40, they may very well tip very, you know, a number of those risk factors, maybe even just stress if they're running around after a busy household. And you add in family history and we get a high risk of blood pressure. What we want to do with the likes of tomorrow is screen, detect and treat and prevent. I would much rather be having a conversation with someone how to get the blood pressure down than having a conversation after they've had a cardiac event. So the like of tomorrow is that, well, let's get a handle of this. This is really successfully managed when it's caught and detected early. And it has to be said that for some, if it's slightly raised, uh, lifestyle factors that you alluded mm-hmm. to there uh, will will correct it. For others, it's a, a medication, but it can be treated really successfully with medication. Really successfully with medication. And with medication, we can find sometimes one particular medicine might not suit someone. And, and again, even down to the race, some people may be some from Asian background or African background. Some medicines aren't suitable for some people and some work better in others. So we, we always use that in our choice of medicines. But even if you're experiencing side effects, you can switch to something else. It's really, really easily treated and it's better treated than not. But you're right, the lifestyle factors have to go hand in hand. Even if someone is prescribed medicine for the blood pressure, we will always look at the lifestyle factors as well. If someone is a little bit overweight by reducing your body weight by just 10% can bring down your millimetres of mercury, so that's the readings that people would know, can bring that down by a factor of 10. So if someone's sitting at a blood pressure of maybe 150 over 90 on our goal, so, and I'd always advise everyone to know their numbers, our goal would be to get that to maybe 130 over 80. By losing just 10% of the body weight, that can really help. So things like that are brilliant. So lifestyle factors as well as medicines. Um, and in terms of leaving blood pressure untreated we all know the risks we can have an increased risk for heart attack a stroke aneurysm kidney problems eye problems you know even vascular dementia so we're really trying to give ourselves the best health for the longest of our life what's the gold standard reading is it 130 over 80 well, if you're in your 20s, I'd say 120 over 80. But if someone's in with me and it's 130 over 80, that's absolutely fine. If someone's in with me tomorrow and it's a little bit higher than that, what I usually do, it's a really non-invasive procedure. And many of your listeners will have to had the blood pressure checked at the GP or at the pharmacist or at the hospital. If maybe they've had an infection, maybe they take a contraceptive pill, maybe there are other reasons that they've had the blood pressure checked over the years. So it's really easy. We pop in, we go into the confidential uh, consultation room so everyone is guaranteed privacy I get you to sit down with your feet on the floor we take a couple of really nice deep breaths I put the cuff around the arm and the tube will go on the, the brachial artery just inside the elbow and then we start the machine a few seconds doesn't take very long at all if the reading is a little bit elevated what I usually do with someone is have a chat we'll take a few really big belly breaths just try and slow down the heart because I'm conscious that sometimes people are nervous or anxious or maybe you've gone for a mm. walk or, you know, might be raised just coming in or even yes. that little bit of white coat. You know, we hear this white coat hypertension. So someone's a little bit worried about what, what they're going to hear or see. So I'll do all of that. We go and get them a glass of water and we'll do the procedure again. And most times it's come down a little. 
that's where it goes. But I do know as a clinician, I do know there will be some people that I'll need to refer tomorrow. And that's a good thing because it means they're going to be looked after sooner rather than later. Mm, I have a question in there. Uh, as you move on in life, uh, is it uh, advisable to have the blood pressure done every year? Yes, it is, isn't it? Annual, An annual check at least, yeah. Certainly over the age of 40, an annual check, and that can be done at your pharmacy or at the GP if you're in for any other kind of check, but certainly um, at least once a year. Under 40, every three to five years, unless there's a medicine such as contraceptive pill, you know, it needs to be done more frequently than that. I would caution people around buying a blood pressure monitor and using it at home. If you're going to buy a blood pressure monitor for home use, pop into the, your local pharmacist and just ask them to go through with you to make sure you're using it properly and that you're sitting in the right position. Things, very, very simple things like having the legs crossed or chatting away when the blood pressure is being taken or the arm at the wrong position, they can all have an impact on the reading. So if people are using blood pressure monitors at home, I would just definitely make sure that they've, they're familiar with how to use it and what to do with the results. Just in a word, uh, a few uh, half a minute left. Low blood, low blood, low blood pressure. Jane's been on from Dundalk to say that she suffers from it and mm-hmm. she can fall from time to time. That can be treated too. Low blood pressure, yes. Yeah, not really medically. It's not treated with medicine, but you're absolutely right. The blood pressure can go. You know, you know the feeling, Jerry, when you stand up really quickly from a chair or maybe you've jumped out of bed really yes. quickly, and you feel everything drops to the boots. That's the feeling of low blood pressure, so hypotension. What I usually recommend for people that experience in that, particularly if it's quite frequent, is to check the volume, to check the amount of fluids that they drink, that they drink in at least a litre and a half of water a day to make sure that the volume of fluid within their body is where it should be. Um, sometimes rehydration sachets might help because the electrolytes and the salts might be a little bit imbalanced. And then if they do experience that symptom, lie down, lie down maybe on a couch, so that the feet can go over the arm of the couch and the feet can be raised a little bit higher than the heart, that will get the blood back up the body and then ease back into a seated position and then standing. If you're very prone to it, just that slow movement when raising up from a chair or from a bed or from seat, just move slowly, the quick sudden jerk can actually have an impact. Cathy, you're great. Call into your local pharmacies tomorrow, Louth and Meath, and they will check your blood pressure. Thank you for so much for joining me on the show. Thank you. Bye. Take care. That's Cathy That's Cathy Marr there from Haven Pharmacy in Dooley. That's a lot on late lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive here on LMFM. We'll be back tomorrow with late lunch from 1.30. We'll see you then. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.